money matters so much. Uh, we all want really wise, good financial counsel, and we get a ton of that in the Bible from God. And of course, all of it flows through his perfect wisdom and his perfect love for us. I want to begin with a story about three brothers that were highly successful in their businesses and building businesses. They were financially very successful. They all loved their father and they competed with each other to give him the best gift each birthday and, and, and uh, things like that. They, they always wanted to give their dad the, the, his favorite gift. So they, they were in this competitive mode one year and, and, the, and the, the first son gave, actually gave his father a house. It was a big, expensive, expansive house that he gave his dad. Second son gave his, his father a car, just a luxurious automobile for his gift. Third son gave his dad a parrot. But it was a special parrot. It had been a parrot that had been trained for years by theologians. It could recite the entire Bible, every verse in the Bible, this parrot. And the, and the son knew how much his dad loved the Bible. And he was like, I, I just know this is going to be his, his favorite gift no matter what my brothers give him. You know, I've, I've got this one. So anyway, so the... The dad receives the gifts and he says to the sons, he says to the first son, you know, I, I just, this is such a beautiful house, but it is so huge, so big. I mean, the upkeep, it's just too much house for me. I just don't think I really want to live here. To the second son, he's like, this car is, is all the features and options. It is so nice. I appreciate it so much, but I just, I drive around. I feel like I'm going to, I'm ner so nervous. I'm going to, you know, get a dent in. I'm going to get, you know, scratch in or something. I just, I, I think I'd just rather drive my old car. It makes me too nervous. To the third son, he's like, you, you always give me, you know, such good gifts. They just, you always know what I like. You give me the best gifts. That, that was the best chicken I've ever tasted, he said to that, that third son. So anyway, in this series, we're going to learn about the kind of gifts that our Heavenly Father likes to get from us, loves to receive from us. So now... Um, the goal of this series, as I mentioned, is just to, for us to grasp what does it mean for God to be first in my financial world. So that means we're going to be talking about money. Could I get a round of applause, please? Everybody, please say. Or yeah, <laughs> so. I know that I, I know that when we teach on money at church, you know, some, sometimes people can kind of do a mind shift, and people that really kind of crave the Bible want to maybe ignore parts of it, or. Some that maybe are, you know, have come and they feel like, wow, we've, we've, we've found our church home. It's just a wonderful church family. Maybe you wonder, maybe we need to kind of look a little bit more here. Or this, this pastor, he seems like a trustworthy guy, you know, a good enough guy and everything. But well, maybe we, begin, we, we need to question his motives a little bit. I, I just know this can be kind of a sensitive subject matter, maybe a, a tough assignment. But I just want to share with you that in, in following Jesus over the years, that in, in seeking to prioritize God in this area of life and really just trusting God in this area of, of my life, I would put right up there with Bible study, with prayer, with serving as one of the most catalytic things that a person can do in their faith and in their relationship with God because there's just something that happens inside our heart when God is first in this area of our life. There's just that this subject matter forces me to look down inside my heart and say what really is most important 
to me and that if you'll allow God in this series, this subject matter will enable you as well to be able to look down in your heart and say, what, what matters most to me? What really is first in my heart? This, this subject matter forces us to look down in ourselves and say, how much do I really, truly trust God? Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is like, listen, if I could look at your treasure, like, you know, your visa bill, your receipts, your bank statements and things, it would tell me a lot about what's in your heart. It would tell me a lot about where your heart is. And so today we're going to begin the series by just asking the question, what priority should God really have in this area of my life? How much priority should he have? And, and whether we recognize it or not, we take a priority test every time we get paid. Every time we receive a paycheck, that's a priority test on where, where is God in this area of my life. How much do I prioritize God in this area of my life? And so are we going to give God priority in this area? And so I want to I begin the series by sharing with you a story from the Bible and a parable. And the story is way back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 4 where we see the first offering given. Cain and Abel bring gifts to God, and uh, they, they're the, the sons of Adam and Eve. Let me share the story with you, Genesis 4, 2 through 5. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor, so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So Abel was a rancher. He worked with animals. Cain was a farmer. He grew crops. They both gave an offering, probably taught by their parents to do that. Maybe God directly said to them, I want you to bring uh, offerings to me but something went wrong with Cain's offering and as you look back at the text I think you'll see it I think it'll just kind of jump out at you as you look uh, God is not a vegetarian so it's like how dare you bring me a gift and it not have any meat in it you know no it doesn't have anything to do with meats and vegetables but but God contrast these two gifts to help us see what kind of gifts does he want to receive from us. And the problem with Cain's gift was the quality of the gift and the sequence with which the gift was given. Look back at verse 3. You might just circle in your notes. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. So Cain decides he needs to give God something. So he takes some of the, some of the fruits that he had and he gives them to God. Another way to say that would be Cain gave what he wanted when he wanted. Abel gave differently. Look back in your notes at verse 4 and circle the words, the firstborn of his flock. So God gave, or Abel gave God the fat portions or the choicest portions of the firstborn of his flock. Abel gave God his best and he gave God his first, you see. When we, when we care about somebody, we want to give them good gifts, Right? We, we want the gift to express um, our feelings, our heart about the person. 
And we understand that, that gifts convey a message, that it matters whether we want to give our best or just give something to sort of be able to check it off our list. And so Abel gives God a gift that expresses his heart, his devotion to God, while Cain's gift demonstrates a, a divided heart. Now in the New Testament, God reaffirms this principle about giving and the priority that God is to have in our financial world as he includes the story of Abel's gift in Hebrews chapter 11, which we call God's hall of faith. All these great men and women of faith. Let me read this to you here. Verse 4, by faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. So God's teaching us here that he makes a connection between the gift and the giver and that he is always evaluating the heart, the intent, the sincerity of the giver by the gift that is given. So we ask, what priority should I give God in my finances? I think from this story, we see, we learned the lesson that God is to be first in my financial world. Abel gives from the first of what he has to God to express his thanks to God for all that God had provided to express his devotion and love for God as well as demonstrating his trust that God would provide for him and his family as he does this. Abel asks, what is the best that I can, can do for God? Cain asks more, what is the least that I can do? I'm going to do something, but it's not going to be my best and it's not going to be my first. So God accepts Abel's gift, but he does not accept Cain's gift. And I want us to think about that for just a little bit together this morning and I would like to suggest to you that perhaps it's not just that God did not accept Cain's gift it's that God could not accept his gift and I just share with you this is a new kind of kind of a hot thought I've had about this that I think you know spreads out not just in our financial world but life overall so let me let me uh, unpack or talk about this a little bit with you that there's some things God cannot do, things that are outside of his character, outside of his nature and attributes. For, for instance, God cannot lie. We read in Numbers 23, 19, God is not human that he should lie. So he, he cannot lie. Another thing that God cannot do is change when it comes to his integrity. This is a big word, but it's called the immutability of God. That if God were to change, that would mean somehow he would have to be able to become better. And he can't become better because he's already the best. He's already, he's already perfect in all of his ways. So he cannot change. There's just some things that God cannot do. Another thing he cannot do is think like you and me. Because we think in order to figure things out, and God's already got everything already figured out, you see. This is called the omniscience of God. The word omniscience, omniscience, all knowledge. God has all knowledge. This will kind of blow your mind to, to consider. But God knows everything that there is to know, all at the same time time. It's just an incredible truth about God. Let me say it another way. Nothing has ever just occurred to God. God's never smacked his forehead and, and gone, I never thought about that before, you know. 
That's a new idea I had not <laughs> considered before. He just doesn't think that way. And maybe as I've been describing this truth about God, uh, uh, you remember a, a scripture that, that describes that, that difference in the way we, we think and the way God thinks. It's from Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, or your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God says, I just, I don't think think like you. So there are some things that God cannot do. Let me tell you something else God cannot do. God cannot be second. Think about that. God cannot be second. This is called the preeminence of God. We know about the, the, you know, the word eminence, but, but the preeminence of God, that He is above all things, that He is higher than all things, that He is before all things, that He is first over all things. Let me say it this way. I might have a time or season in my life when God is not first place in my life. But that doesn't mean that the God of the universe is not first, right? Just because he's not first in my life does not mean that he does not have first place. And the Christian life only works for me when God is in first place of my life. So God could not accept Cain's offering because God was not first place in Cain's heart. And it's important that we understand that God does not accept things that do not come from our heart, that do not come from faith, that do not come from a place of love and a desire to be obedient and honoring God with our lives, you see. God cannot be second. He is preeminent. It's just a part of his divine nature. So when it comes to priority, yes, God is to be first in our financial world because he is to be first in all of our lives. He is the first above all. And we're going to talk over the last two weeks of the series about how do we live that out in our financial world? What, 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 what does that look like? What are some some specifics? But in this first message, I just wanted to share a story with you and also a parable. So the parable is from Jesus in Matthew 25. It's called the parable of the talents. A talent in Jesus' day was a measurement of money. So it's not how we use the word today. And a talent would have been worth uh, 20 years of wages. So 20 years of, of labor would be the equivalency of one talent. The New International Version, which is the version I, I use the most here in our, our times together, actually uses bags of gold instead of the word talent, to just to describe the amount of money that Jesus is referring to in his story. So let me share this story with you. There was a wealthy master, a, a landowner, who went away on a long trip, and he brought three of his servants in before he went on the trip and gave each of them and entrusted each of them with a, 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 a portion of his wealth for, for them to be able to have and manage while he was gone. Now, this would not have been all that unusual of a story in Jesus' day for uh, a, a master, an owner of land to travel, uh, you know, maybe look at some other, manage some of his other property over in another region or something, and the servants would have no idea how long he'd be gone. 
Transportation was not dependable back in that day. Long-distance communication was often impossible in that day, so the servants would not have any idea how long is he going to be gone, when will he return. They just had to kind of be prepared that you know, he, he could come at any time. So let's begin to read the story then. Jesus said, To one the master gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability, and then he went on his journey. So let me just remind us, we said a, a bag of gold was worth, or a talent was, was, was worth 20 years of wages for a, a, a day laborer. So let's just say $25,000 a year would be the wage. So that would mean one talent would be worth $500,000. Two talents, a million dollars. Two and a half talents, I'm sorry, five talents, two and a half million dollars. I just want us to see, this is a large amount of money that the master is entrusted to his servants. Now, as we begin to get in the story, you can kind of get, get hung up on the idea that he gives different amounts to the servants. Uh, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem fair. But that's not really the, 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 the point of the parable. The, the, the point of the story is it, it doesn't matter how much you have. It matters what you do with what you have. That, that's the point we want to keep in mind. So I forgot to mention, but let me just let's mention it now, that the master in the story is God. You know, parables and earthly story has a heavenly meaning. So the master here is, is God. Let's, let's continue on then. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So the master's gone a long time to the point where maybe the servants even begin to wonder, is he coming back? Is he going to return? Might even affect the way in which they handle the wealth, the, the talents that had been entrusted to them. But he eventually does come back. How would you feel if you were one of those servants? You know, somebody comes, he's here. Well, you might be excited about that. You, you might be terrified about that. It has to do with how did you, how did you handle the, the talents that he had given to you while he was gone? Let's see how these three guys did. Verse 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Oh, okay. We'll keep that in mind. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So both these guys take what has been entrusted to them. They put it to work and they, they double amount that they had had but what I want us to see here is that even though they had different amounts they received the same reward they received the same commendation from the master you see it's not about what you have it's about what you do with what you have that matters and and they are rewarded they are uh, commended for their faithfulness and what they did with what had been entrusted to them okay well let's see how the third servant did then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So as we think about God, this is a misperception here, okay? But what I want to point out here is that before the servant even begins to, to say, this, this is what I have to his master, he starts making excuses, you know? If, uh, if you weren't so unrealistic in your expectation, 
You know, if, if you've been more clear in the instruction you'd given before you left, or you gave these other servants more than me, that really bothered me. I struggled with that the whole time that you were gone. But when it comes to managing our resources, we need to be on our guard. We need to be careful because this tends to be our default. That if we begin to feel a sense of conviction that, you know what, I've not really been doing what God wants me to be doing here, that instead of kind of taking responsibility, we'll be tempted to, to make excuses. Tempted to, to uh, feel sorry for ourselves, tempted to blame other people, t- tempted to complain about our circumstances. This is what the third servant is doing here. And then he says this, so I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here, here's what belongs to you. Well, that doesn't sound that bad, does it? You know, he, he didn't gamble the money away. He didn't embezzle it. He didn't go spend it on himself, you know. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't lose it. Probably had some dirt on it because he had to dig it up and give it to him, but it was, just, it was all right there. He said, here, this, this is yours. It, it belongs to you. That didn't sound that bad. But surprisingly in the story, the master is furious. Let me read this. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. If this is, if this is who you think I am... Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. And I'm going to come back to that principle in part three of the series and talk about when we are faithful, how, how that does occur. What, uh, whoever does not have, even what, what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's quite severe. Weaving a gnashing of teeth is an expression of deep remorse and regret where I had this huge opportunity in front of me, but I blew it. And so when I look back, then I'm like, oh, if I just, I just would have done this, things would be so different. It's just, you know, this is regret. And so Jesus says, this is how it will be for those who are not ready for my return. This is, this is how it will be for those who who have not prepared for my return, he says. Now, there are two very important principles I want to draw from this parable. As we talk about what does it mean for God to be first in my financial world? Look, take a look at this. God has generously entrusted us with his resources. So the master did not give these talents or these bags of gold to his servants. He entrusted his wealth to them for the period of time that he was gone. This is the issue of ownership. This issue really changes everything. One way or another about our understanding and the way in which we receive what the Bible says to us about money that when you and I understand you know, that everything belongs to God, when we understand and we accept this theological concept that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and, and that he has allowed you and me to have some of that wealth for a brief time here on this earth while, while we're here, when, when this is your understanding of money, when this is your perspective on your possessions, then you're like, okay, I have been entrusted by God with some of his wealth. I want to make sure I understand what he wants me to do 
with what he has entrusted to me, you see. And this issue of ownership, everything really hinges on this understanding. When we come to understand, it all belongs to God. Well, then I'm not so worried about, you know, comparing what I have with what other people have, you see, because it's all God's. Instead, I'm just grateful for what has been entrusted to me, and that gratitude just leads us into some very positive ways in life, in a positive directions, in, including, uh, dire- you know, in the, in the uh, direction of becoming more generous. Richard Foster writes, God's ownership of everything changes the kind of question that we ask in giving. Rather than how much of my money should I give to God, we learn to ask how much of God's money should I keep for myself, you see? Total different way of, of asking that. So the understanding of ownership changes. How do I, how I approach money and how I approach my possessions? And it allows me to be grateful and just to be content with what I have. And it leads me then in the direction toward uh, generosity. Then the second truth that I want to underline from this parable for us would be this. The understanding that God will hold us accountable for how we use his resources. That that's a part of the life story for us as well as we think about that third servant that did not do well as God is talking to him and describing him. How does he describe him? Wicked and lazy. That, that is, you know, that's some very strong words there. And what we're learning here from this part of the story is that when we come to that point where all of us will in our life where we stand before God and give an account of our life it's not going to be acceptable acceptable to say God I did not do anything with what you provided for me the resources that the the wealth that you entrusted to me I just hid it in the ground I just buried it in the ground I didn't do anything with it and I waited for you to come back or maybe I didn't wait for you to come back it reminds me of James 2:17 where it says faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. There's no no real faith there. And so it's the idea that if I truly believe that God exists, that he loves me, that he has entrusted his wealth to me for the period of time that I'm here on this earth, I'm going to want to honor him with, with how I utilize and manage the resources that he has entrusted to me as I prepare for his return, that that's my worldview, that's, that's how I, I view life. So when it comes to our financial world, here's what we need to understand. God has entrusted you and me with some of his resources, and he wants us to use those resources, so let's go beyond just financially, our time, our skills and abilities, our education, the opportunities that come our way, our life experiences, you know, even the the painful ones, the the trials and such, to be able to leverage those resources, to be able to to, uh, utilize those resources in such a way so that when he returns, there is going to be a return on the investment that we have made. And I'm talking about a kingdom of God kind of return. I'm talking about a... You know, making of disciples return. I'm, I'm talking about a you know, salt and light to the world return. A, a, a sharing and, and showing you know, the, the love and good news of Jesus Christ return. A, a laying of treasures in heaven return. And over the last two weeks, we're just going to, again, talk about 
how we live accordingly with this, this goal and this perspective of life. And, you know, it, just to, I guess, you know, quickly summarize some of what it includes, it just includes things like working hard and uh, practicing contentment and uh, saving consistently and, and being generous in our, our giving and, and then trusting God that he's going to provide for us in the future as, as, we, as we live in this way. But there's a little parable that I, or a little phrase from the parable that I want to close with. It describes the guy who has the five bags of gold. It's in verse 13. Let me just read the little phrase. It says this, he went out at once and put his money to work. I love that. So he receives his, his five bags of gold, and he went at once. He didn't waste any time. He immediately took action. He immediately put his money to work. I think that's a very good challenge for every one of us as we close out this first part of this series. It's not enough just to have good intentions, but instead we, we take action, that, that we immediately do some things that express our desire. God, I want you to be first in my financial world. So let me give you two suggestions, and we'll pray. Have a conversation this afternoon or sometime this week with some family or friends about what you have. Not what you want, but what you have. Because gratitude enables us to recognize the wealth that God has given to us. As we just take the time to think about and talk about all that we have, it'll, it, you'll find gratitude welling up inside of you. And it's that gratitude then that inspires us in the direction toward generosity. So that's something every one of us can do immediately is to have that conversation. And then the, the other suggestion I would, would have would be just give first. If you're not practicing that already, just, you know, every time you get paid, just develop that habit of saying the first thing I'm going to do is give. I'm going to give to a, a missionary. Uh, I'm going to give to a Christian ministry, maybe a, a Bible college, a, a local church here or somewhere, somebody in need in the name of Jesus. But you just say, God, I'm giving first, and I'm trusting you then that as I put you first in this way, you will take care of me, you will provide for me and my family. More on that as we go into the, further into this series. Let's pray. Father, you are first. You alone are God. There is no one beside you or before you. You are first over all that you have made. We thank you, God, that as we recognize your rightful place in our lives, that our life comes into order that our life then begins to move in the right direction. And Lord, I know in my own life, this, this is an area that is quite challenging. It's quite easy to sort of let myself get distracted and, and not be intentional about putting you first in my financial world, Lord. So I just pray for all of my my spiritual brothers and sisters, my family here at BSCC, that each of us will humble ourselves and just be open and honest with you, God, and say, help, help me, help, help us to see how to put you first, God, what, what that will look like. God, as we think about you and who you are, we realize how, how generous you are 
that you would give your son for us that every good thing that comes into our life ties back to you we can trace it all the way back to you thank you for your grace thank you for your provision your goodness in our lives every day and we understand that as you call us to put you first in this area that it's the very best way to live but more than that God as we sang about earlier we just want you we just want to bring you glory we just want to live for you we just want to be near you so keep us close God lead us in a way where you are first in all things God this is our heart this is our prayer as we pray it together in the name of our Savior Jesus and all who agree said Amen. Amen.